a wild day within the Detroit Tigers organization. We got Ken Rosenthal reports that the Tigers are willing to trade pretty much anybody. Then we have a, a I know I've used this word a lot to describe this team lately, but I think it, it, it bears true like most of the time. Ridiculous baseball game. We're going to talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. The Detroit Tigers drop a ball game to the San Diego Padres 6-4. to four. Um, They're also, like I said in the cold open, a, a lot of reports swirling. Trade deadline is looming. We got reports from Ken Rosenthal that everybody, including Tarek Skubal, is pretty much on the table for the Tigers. Uh, we, we got a lot to go over. In this one. Okay, but we're going to start with the ball game uh, because it, it's very fresh in my brain as I record this right after the game ends. Tigers drop it six to four. Okay. And again, a, a ridiculous baseball game. Like the amount of, of, of random goodness that just happened and then surrounded by the, 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 the struggling and, and, the, and the poor play that has plugged this team since opening day. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it was so on brand. It was so on brand. So Mike Clevenger starts for the Padres, and Mike Clevenger is a damn good pitcher. He is good at his job and will continue to be good at his job. He goes seven innings, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. So here's the thing. The first six innings, you got absolutely just washed by this dude. He rinsed you. This was this. It, it was like non-competitive. It, it was remarkable, honestly. I've used that word a lot lately. I know, but it, it it was it was truly impressive how unimpressive you looked for the first six innings. That that's how I can describe it. And and I love watching Mike Clevenger pitch. He he is a an absolute joy to watch on the bump. Uh, for, for people that love pitchers that have a, a, a really healthy pitch mix, this is the prototype for that. He's got five different pitches, right? He's got a four seam, a cutter, a changeup, a sinker, and a slider. He's got five registered pitches. He threw 92 pitches on Tuesday night. He didn't throw a single one less than 16 times. He didn't throw a single one more than 24 times. That's unreal to have five different pitches and throw all of them within eight pitches of each other from the from the most thrown, which was the four seam at 24, to the least thrown, which was the slider at 16. Everything else was in, in between that. That's unreal. Average exit velocity, less than 83 miles an hour. Again, Tigers were getting a whole lot of nothing out of off of them for six innings. Seventh thing rolls around. Uh, I don't know whether he started to tire a little bit or just another time through the lineup. Eventually that happens, you know, p- players see the ball a little bit better second, third time through the lineup. Um, but, but whatever it was, you know, his, his command wavered a little bit. He had a couple of pretty bad misses in that inning, um, you know, the Candelario one and, and, and whatnot. But 
the Tigers finally get some semblance of offense. Miguel Cabrera hits a double. Jamer Candelario steps up and goes Yabo for, what, the fourth time since the All-Star break? Uh, he's been absolutely crushing the baseball lately. And it's worth noting, God, it's so ridiculous seeing Nomar Mazzara's name in the box score. Just, I, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe that he just continues to to jump around and, you know, he's now playing for a really good team, whatever. So Jamer goes two for five with three RBIs in this one. Had the big RBI late, obviously. Uh, and then, well, it didn't end up being that big, I guess, but had the big home run, uh, the, the two-run shot there that we talked about in the seventh. And then after, you know, I thought the at-bats did get more competitive later. The seventh inning was obviously better. Jamer stayed hot. And then the really impressive offensive showing was the ninth inning. The ninth inning, I, I thought, pretty much everybody, nah, not the last batter, not really Javi, but everybody up until Javi, I thought, put together a really competitive A-B. Riley Green is unbelievable. That is such a professional, just beyond your years at bat. 0-2 count, fights it back, and, and deposits a ball into right field to, to tie the game up and send it into extras. Um, he's, he's incredible and he should not be touched by anyone within a 50 foot pole. Uh, I don't care. Uh, I don't care. Riley green should, should, he should be the one person you're not taking calls on. Okay. If you really want to be like, Oh no, everybody has a price tag. Riley green's the one person that that price tag should be unobtainable by, by most teams. All right. So Riley green ties it. Javi gets randomly patient at a ball in the, in the strike zone. I'm not really sure why game goes into extras. Um, then we get to the 10th. Assume I tweeted this out, assuming that everyone in the Padres doesn't land on the IL, assuming any, everybody on the Padres that got hit by a Gregory Soto pitch is completely healthy. And there's no injuries. Cause that's never a laughing matter. Assuming that everybody's healthy that played baseball in this game tonight. That was, I think, objectively the funniest inning of baseball I've seen in, in, in quite a while. And just like the whole situation, like we're, we're, we're getting shoved against, right? Clevenger is shoving through six. And we finally get get back into the ball game a little bit. Then our, our, our rookie comes through in a huge moment and adds to his highlight tape that's already probably the longest on the team, even though he's been up here for like a month. Like you, you just have have this, this great moment. And then first pitch of the 10th, Gregory Soto hits someone in the ribs. And you're like, or the elbow, ribs, whatever. And you're like, okay. And then Javi Baez can't, can't throw a ball to first base. Routine play. No, no arguing it. Routine play for for a major leaguer. That's that's you don't get too many that are significantly easier, barring you know, with the exception of like an 100 mile an hour grounder right at your glove that where you don't have to move. Like outside of that, that that's you know, major league major league shortstop. That's one gold gloves. It's considered to be an, an elite defender at points in his career. You know, got to make that play. So then. The bases are loaded, and we're going to hit another batter. That's what Gregory Soto is going to do. And there's some conversation, right? There, there's always some conversation. Whenever anything goes wrong, especially whenever anything goes wrong with Gregory Soto, 
this huge discourse has to play out about should he have even been in the game? Why does he ever pitch? I hate his guts, et cetera, et cetera. That's like the first thing out of everybody's mouth. There's, there's situationally, you, you got put in, in, in a really tough situation between a rock and a hard place there in the 10th. It was either Gregory Soto for the 10th or it was Jason Foley. That's, that's it. That's all it was ever going to be. You already used Alex Lang, Michael Fulmer, Jose Cisnero. Soto's on the bump currently. And Joe Jimenez pitched yesterday. So it, it, it was never, and Andrew Chafin pitched yesterday. So it was, it was never going to be anybody else. It was always going to be Soto or Foley off rip. Uh, everybody knows my opinion of Jason Foley. I'm a big fan of the sinker. The thing is, the sinker is a pitch-to-contact pitch, and you're starting with the runner on second. Now, could they have gone to Foley sooner? That's totally subjective, and, and hindsight's 20-20, so you can say that now and, 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 and look smart no matter what you say, and that's totally fine. That, that's, uh, I'm sure plenty of people agree with you. I might even agree with you. But to just immediately go like and, – and, this is not like Soto homerism either. I've expressed my frustrations with this dude since May. You know, I, I, I said in a May episode, that's how far back we're going, that he shouldn't have the closer role anymore. Uh, my, 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 you know, slappiness of, uh, and my homerism of, of Gregory Soto is uh, uh, pretty far out the window. I'm, I'm unbelievably frustrated with him and, and continue to be. But uh, as far as the managerial decision, you had two choices and whether you like it or not, when you have those two choices, you're probably going to stick with the dude who can, is a lefty that can throw a hundred over the sinker baller. When, especially when you got a runner starting on second base. And if Javi makes a play, you, you have an even further discourse about like, if Javi even gets an out at first base, this is a, maybe even a totally different conversation. He still hit a batter. He still hit two batters. For sure. He's still got a ton of problems he's got to work out. And I'm not sure he's going to work them out in a Tigers uniform. So a lot of people are going to get their wish anyway in a week, I think. But to, to it's just everybody looks for a singular scapegoat all the time. And it drives me mad. This is not one person's fault. This season is not one person's fault. This season is not just Alavila's fault. This season is not just Gregory Soto's fault. This season is not just Javi Baez's fault. This game was not just Gregory Soto's fault or just Javi Baez's fault or just A.J. Hinch's fault. This is a unit that is losing at an unbelievable clip. We are 20 games under 500, and we aren't tanking. This team is trying to win ball games. This is a team that ownership said the rebuild was over with going into the season. They fooled everybody. They fooled me. They fooled a lot of you. They fooled everyone. This team is actively trying to win baseball games. It's never just one person, ever. This offense is historically bad. If, if, if hit by pitches, I think Castellani tweeted this out. If hit by pitches were included in whip, Gregory Soto's would be one of the highest of the modern era. That's exaggerating, but you get the point. 
this 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 isn't just a Greg problem. This isn't just a Javi pro- problem. This is like twenty six dudes. This is all of their problem all the time. It's 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 unbelievably frustrating watching this team night in and night out. Oh my goodness. All right, let, let me talk to you about Blue Nile, then we'll get back into the game and, and into the Scooble thing and everything. But whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone mo- moment, that's the word, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond's shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is truly one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with the jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. You can save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, it ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You can shop completely stress-free. Find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. All right. Welcome back. Segment two here, Locked on Tigers. Um, thanks for making us your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. That's including the YouTube. Um, so, Gregory Soto completely fumbled in the 10th inning horrid command once again as he usually does and it's really frustrating because he was dotting stuff in the ninth right he looked fantastic then the 10th rolled around and and he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat so that was brutal the defense behind him was brutal uh hindsight again hindsight's 2020 they ended up giving up three runs with soto out there would it have been different if you put foley out there uh you know, probably a little bit, but I, I laid out the situation. We don't have to go down that road again. Besides, the, well, honestly, the, the remarkable thing is the bullpen didn't give up an earned run. Not a single one of those runs that Gregory Soto gave up was technically earned due to the ghost runner and Javi Baez's error. Um, so, so, so he, he has three runs tallied against him. None of them earned. And then nobody else that came in relief has an earned run. Jose Sinero walked two, didn't give up a run. Alex Lang, I thought, looked really good. Nice little bounce back performance his last couple of outings. I thought his command's been weak. Garrett Hill started this game. Five innings, five hits, three earned runs, four walks, two strikeouts. So the thing with Garrett Hill, he, he was kind of an explosion in the minors, had a ton of strikeouts at the minor league level um, because he, he has a, a, a pretty nice fastball with some movement on it. I think they list it as a sinker on most websites. And, and it's a nice pitch that can get a lot of swings and misses in the minors, but it can't get a lot of swings and misses at the major league level. And so he's going to have to f- figure out a pitch mix or a location or whatever that induces a lot more swings and misses. Uh, he had four swings and misses total in five innings in this one. Didn't have very many called strikes either. Uh, was really just doing pitch to contact stuff. 92 off the bat. It wasn't a masterclass performance, but at the end of the day, he, he you gave up three earned runs as a team in this one, and you scored four, right? Again, it's everybody. It's everybody. The offense could pretty much always be better night in and night out. The first six innings, we got dominated. 
we, we already we already talked about it. We don't need to go down that road road again. But it, it it's as far as Garrett Hill specifically is concerned, I think his stuff is decent. There, there's just a lot of command that needs to be worked on, and the stuff is decent to be a average pitch to contact pitcher. But it's gonna need he's gonna need to develop a, a true swing and miss pitch, like we've said with plenty of other guys that have pitched for the Tigers this year. All right, so. There's your your pitching breakdown offensively. We already talked about, I mean, Javi, one for five. Okay, sure. Riley Green, we already talked about, just unbelievably professional at-bats. Miguel Cabrera gets a couple of hits. That's always a fun moment for the crowd. Jamer stays hot. Willie, one for five. Sure, whatever. Jonathan Scope, one for four. Honestly, sure, whatever. Tucker Barnhart, 0 for three with two strikeouts. He has a 507 OPS. It's it's remarkable how much of a, unfortunately, a liability he has become at the plate. It, it's almost an automatic out. Like, he's straight up flirting with a sub-500 OPS. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's really hard. It's, it's really hard to honestly talk about. Nonetheless, I'm sure it's difficult for him to, to go out there and perform when he's struggling this mightily, but... Um, everybody was all upset because, you know, Eric Haas had two good games and, and it's ridiculous and whatever. As we talked about on yesterday's show, catcher, it is impossible to just throw him out there every day. Could you have found a spot for him in the outfield? Maybe. But again, he's been catching. So it doesn't matter what he's playing today necessarily. If he's been catching, it's impossible. It's way too tough on the body. You're not going to play catcher every single day. So I only have an issue with Barnhart going out there. If he plays like the next two, three games at catcher, then I'm going to be like, okay, this is straight up ridiculous, and I'm going to be as mad as all y'all. But for all we know, Eric Hoss could go play the next two games behind the dish, and that's just a normal day off, and Eric Haas will have played four of the last five games behind the plate. So I'm not mad at it yet, but I have the potential to be. Okay, I'll put it that way. Uh, Akil Badu turned on a ball uh, that I thought was a really impressive ball to turn on in the later innings it was a hanging slider that went up and in uh but it was he pulled it too much even and pulled it foul so he goes 0 for 2 but did draw a walk in this one uh, and then Robbie Grossman pinch hit late uh he, he ended up drawing a walk and, and and whatnot but um that that was another one where everybody's freaking out because Robbie's had a terrible year and like how could Robbie Grossman possibly uh be be pinch hitting in this situation this is so stupid Robbie Grossman, that, there was a lefty on the mound, right? Rodgers is a lefty. Uh, Robbie Grossman against lefties on the season. Uh, this year, this year, that is that is objectively, he has a sub-600 OPS. I'm not saying this is a good season. But his OPS against lefties is like over 900. He, he's having a great year against lefties, as is like 90% of the team. We talked about this yesterday, right? Like the, the team is not struggling against lefties. They just have literally the worst right-handed numbers against righties, rather, that I've ever laid my eyes on. Uh, and I've seen two teams lose over 114 games. It, it's it's remarkable how bad they are against righties. So I didn't mind going to Robbie there, and he ended up walking, so, like, whatever. Uh, whatever. But uh, that was another one where I, I, I thought that, you know, the, the fan base might have uh, – I don't know. I don't like using the word overreact, but but maybe was just getting mad to be mad about something. Um, okay, so that's pretty much it. You had 11 hits, three doubles, and a homer. Uh, two of those four extra base hits came at the hands of Jamer Candelario alone. Had a nice clutch hit late there as well. Um, look, uh, 
the, for this offense, four runs is, is a blessing. So you, you need to take advantage. You need to not commit errors in extra innings. You need to not hit batters in extra innings. Uh, you, you just need to, to, to take advantage because who knows when the next time we're going to score four is. Again, we, we looked like a triple A AAA team for the first six innings. So um, that's it for the ball game. That, that's it. We talked about all the nonsense. We talked about all the, the ridiculousness of the game. Let's talk about the Ken Rosenthal article that came out right after I tell you all about betonline.net. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back here to another edition of Locked. Another edition? Final segment here at Locked On Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Uh, okay. So, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic Now, probably the biggest baseball writer on the planet released a journalist, I guess I should call him, not just writer. You get the point. Everybody knows Ken. Released an article today that was headlined, Tigers willing to trade Tarek Skubal and, quote, just about everyone, sources say. Uh, He would go on to say that one of the quotes in here is, the Tigers, quote, gave us a blanket that just about everyone is available. One official said, one of Ken's sources from front offices of another team. Um, another speculated the Tigers are trying to be opportunistic and extract a big return for Scooble from teams that might strike out on Reds, Luis Castillo, and Athletics' Frankie Montas, the best starting pitchers known to be available. Uh, he also pointed out that Alavila declined to comment on the article, which makes total sense. So this is, you know, the Tarek Scooble thing we've talked about before. A little bit. I pointed out that, in my opinion, if you trade Tarek Skubal, you are waving the white flag on this rebuild. And that's not to say that if you trade Skubal, you have to trade like Green and Torque and everybody. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, but um, I am saying that you are. Uh, we need bats. This rebuild needs bats. We've seen it this year. This is one of the worst offenses any of us have ever laid our eyes on, and that's no matter how old you are and how much baseball you've seen in your life. We need bats really badly. And so the argument being, you trade Tarek Skubal. He is a lefty that can touch 100 and has four years of control left and has already blown out his arm and had Tommy John, and the statistics will show that uh, once you have Tommy John once, the odds of you having it a second time, while they're not impossible, and we've seen people have it two, even three times before, it's significantly less likely. So you're taking on a, a guy of that magnitude who's had so many good starts this year and is having a really solid season would, in theory, garner a, a, a what should be a massive return. And the goal would be to target young bats 
right? Young, controllable bats that you can have around for a while and will be the focal point of this offense for the foreseeable future. Now, there, there's there's a lot of different routes to, to, to kind of branch off on this subject, and I want to try to get to as many of the different points and counterpoints as possible because I think they're all important. And then I'll kind of tell you where I stand, even though I've already kind of made it clear. First off, we have a false sense of pitching depth within this organization just because of how many people have stepped up this season. The Tigers pitching depth is not that great. After Tarek's, I, I mean, I don't think that's as much of a secret as maybe I just made it sound. We, we have Drew Hutchinson and Ronnie Garcia starting games for us, right? This is not an organization that has a ton of pitching depth. And this is an organization that two of their top pitching prospects and Matt Manning and, and Casey Mize went healthy. Uh, I would say pretty objectively have not quite lived up to what we thought they were going to be and have been hurt quite a lot uh, aside from what they have, how they have performed when they are healthy. So it's not incredibly encouraging. Then you have Spencer Turnbull who is going to come back next year, but he's another year older. He's not, you know, he's, he's around 30. Um, You got, not just not as much pitching depth as you know when this rebuild started it was pitching it was pitching 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 and that was what the whole rebuild was built around no scout yeah that that's like the scout's golden rule is like hey if you have what is it four pitchers one of them is going to turn out and like be healthy and, and and be solid if you have four pitching prospects it's like three or that's like the rule. If you have three or four pitching prospects, it might even be five. <laughs> and we built ours around all pitching. And we got Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, but that's two bats. You're not winning a World Series with two bats. You're not making the playoffs with two bats. The Cleveland Guardians prove that every single year. All right? You're not. So we need bats, and Tarek Skubal is comfortably, comfortably the most expensive asset that you could foresee trading, right? You're not going to trade Riley Green. Odds are pretty good you're not going to move Torkelson, although, honestly, at the moment, Skubal might still have higher return than, than Torque. But you're not trading a guy like Riley Green, and that's really the only person that, that could even rival, rival the return of Tarek Skubal. So the thought process of you, you have to move Tarek to get some young bats. It's it's an admission from the front office that they messed up. It, that's what it is. And, I, and, and the saddest part is, the saddest part of this whole thing is based on where the team is right now, it's, it's not like the stupidest thing on the planet. And we can debate until we're blue in the face on on whether they should or shouldn't do it. But it the fact that it's not like instantly, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, get it out of my face. Again, proves that, that if they did that, it is an admission that their whole strategy around this rebuild is a complete failure and was completely wrong. It's, it's an admission 
that this rebuild, the last five years, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, or maybe it's even pushing a month ago, whenever that that uh, that that other time we talked about it was. It, it's a complete admission that the last five years was a flop and, and, and was a failure. And you're going to trade Scooble, and then you're going to trade three to five relievers, and you're going to push the starting line down the road. Do you remember... Do you remember what they told us when they first tore everything down in 2017? Do you remember what they told us? The the timeline they gave you, the timeline they gave me, the timeline they gave this whole fan base was 2020. That's what they told us. In 2017, when we traded everybody away, we were told 2020. Then we were told in 2019, we were like, well, that's not happening. We just lost 114 games. We were told, oh, give give it another year. Now we're kicking it down the road again. Give it another year. Give it another year or two. It's, it's just, it's frustrating because it's a never-ending cycle. It's a never-ending cycle of, we're now at a point El, and I tweeted this out too. El Avila's been here so long that he is now trading away the assets that he got or drafted during the rebuild. Like at the beginning, when we were first tearing everything down, those dudes are now in the majors, and we're now trading that era of player. And I know Scooble was a late, later round find and, and wasn't a guy that we tanked to get or, or, or got in a trade, but th- that is the era right? That's the era of player you're moving now. So the, the, the concept of moving Scooble, if you were to get several young controllable bats to help this team is an admission that you have been wrong for half a decade and you want to move into a different direction. Could it be the correct direction? Sure. Any direction could be the correct direction. Sure. It it is not you can't sit here and go, oh, if we traded Scooble, that would absolutely put a dagger in the franchise and and there's no way we would ever win and we need Tarek Scooble on this team to win a World Series. No. Okay? No. I'm I'm not sure you can say that about really any player in baseball. But it would certainly be a changing of philosophy, a changing of direction, and, and and a complete white flag on the last five years. On top of all of that, and this is where the real problem lies. This, this is where the actual issue lies with this whole everybody's for sale, Scooble might be might be moved. The man in charge. Look at Alavila's track record in trades. Just Google it. Read, Ken Rosenthal actually wrote an article about it a few weeks ago, just highlighting and pointing out his, his uh, we'll call it successes and failures within the, his, uh, his, 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 his trades. Go look at it. It's not all that great. It's not. And I think you knew that. And that's why you're here. So 
that is where I think the real fear lies. I think there's a legitimate argument that if Alavila is fired this offseason and a new GM were to come in, th- there's a legitimate argument that one of the first things that GM would do would be to trade Tarek Skubal because he would be a lefty with three years of control left then and isn't his guy and and could go in, you know, Troy Weaver traded everybody that wasn't his guy, like right away, you know, like just going in and just cleaning house and, and really starting the rebuild almost over again. And again, we, we can argue till we're blue in the face about whether it's the right or wrong thing to do, whatever. But objectively, you can win a ring without Tarek Skubal because it's happened in every World Series that's ever happened. And objectively, if you do it, you're admitting defeat on what the last five years have been. Alavila is what instills the fear of, of whatever the most fearful thing you can think of is in every single fan in this fan base. Him at the helm is what terrifies everybody. I don't think, and I'm sure I'll get some replies like, no, it's just trading Scooble. That's the scariest part. No, you're an idiot. You can't move Scooble. That's fine. But I, I, I think the scariest part for everybody is the fact that Al Avila is running the ship. If, if Theo Epstein was in charge and he said, I'm trading Tarek Scooble, it's going to be okay. You'd probably be like, all right, let's see what he's got. Right, Al Avila has not earned that, and and he hasn't earned that, and he shouldn't. You you shouldn't let anybody convince you that he has earned that. That's the terrifying part. We saw the returns for for Verlander. We saw the returns for everybody in 2017. It, it's just, and and he's had some hits, right? Like Daniel Norris is back. Okay, like Daniel Norris, that trade, Reese Olsen's good. Like that trade was objectively good. Um, Alex Lang looks really nice. Alex Lang for for half a year of Nick Castellanos getting a solid reliever. Sure. It's still a short list. And it's really scary that Al Avila is going to be the captain, we'll call it, for this rebuild, for this rebuild, for this trade deadline. That's the word. That's the terrifying part. Everybody's for sale. Well, you should probably take calls on everybody. The team's 20 games under 500. I'm not sure how many assets a team 20 games under 500 is desperate to hang on to. It shouldn't be very many. It's just the fact that Al's going to be the one calling the shots on the moves that I think scares a lot of people. So we'll see what happens. When it comes down to it, do you move Scooble or do you not move Scooble? Uh, I would be very hesitant. I would be very hesitant. It would take a really, really crazy offer with a with several, not just one, but m- multiple bats, young, controllable bats, either they're in their first couple of years in the majors or they're on the verge of making the majors. I need I, I need bats. I need bats that are either in the majors or going to get to the majors quick, and I need multiple of them. And I need them to be highly regarded. I'm not taking some, with all due respect, like 26-year-old that's OPSing 750 this year that someone has convinced our front office is going to be good eventually. 
That's what I need. If I don't get that, I'm not moving Tarek Skubal. So there is my opinion there at the end, okay? That's what I need. I need a lot of young bats, and they need to be really highly regarded and, and projectable bats. That would be, it would sting like a mother, but I don't think it would completely alter and like shake up the direction of the rebuild so much that we'd be kicking the can down the road like five years. We'd be objectively kicking it down another year. But it, I don't think it would be the most devastating thing to ever happen. I think that that could work. But if it's not that, I don't want it. And I think if I'm in charge and I'm fielding calls on Scooble and I'm trying to get a gauge for if I can get that type of return, uh, again, it goes down to the, the man in charge. I'm not sure the odds of us getting what I just laid out in a possible return. I'd l this is a fascinating conversation for me, as long as you're respectful, obviously. There's way too many people that are just point fingers and go, you're an idiot, whatever. Um, not just to me. I, I, I deal with that every day. I can take it. But just like to random fans that you're in the same fan base as. Like, let's just, you know, I find it a fascinating conversation. So um, definitely make your, your opinion heard, your voice heard on the matter. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you honestly already have because it was the most talked about thing in the entire state of Michigan uh, yesterday, not two days ago. That was the Piston Teals. I'm glad they're back. Uh, but yesterday, it, it was certainly the, the biggest thing talked about in the organization on Wednesday or on Tuesday, rather. So um, fascinating conversation. And there's never one correct answer for a rebuild. There's never one correct answer. Um, but... Depends on who's in charge. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the, follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. The, I, man, I still almost went 40 flipping minutes. Dang it. <laughs> Sorry for keeping you all a little late. Um, just a, a really big day within the fan base. And I have a feeling that those days are going to get longer and longer from now until August 1st and until the trade deadline. So, um, keep an eye out for a lot of scouts at the game. They're almost assuredly checking out the bullpen. Tarek Skubal does pitch today. As you're listening to this, you Darvish for Tarek Skubal, great pitching matchup. Um, Let's get a win, and hopefully the bullpen, I guess, performs well in front of the scouts because I guess we're doing this again for another deadline. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.